Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the United States Sports Show Football Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellino. I'm joined once again by Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing good, Joe. How are you? Hanging in there. Uh, it's December, which it's I, I think this might be the latest that we've ever done this. So, uh, you know, it, it, it feels weird, um, you know, being a little cold uh, trying to do this, but uh, but we'll get over it. Yeah, the D1 season got pushed a, a little later this year, so here we are. No rest for the rest for the weary. We're getting uh, finishing up fall as we're also getting ready for the winter season. So, uh, yep. yeah, got a lot got a lot on the brain these days. Uh, and uh, this is, of course, going to be our last show uh, of the football podcast. Uh, so you can shoot us questions and feedback um, at nhhighschoolsports at gmail dot com. But um, uh, we'll we'll have to bookmark those because I, I don't think we'll get to them for a while. Um, Right. <laughs> of course, you can follow uh, the, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at NHHS Sports. And uh, the podcast is up on the website. Um, you know, you can go back through and, and listen to the ones from this year at nh-highschoolsports.com. Or as I mentioned last week, you can go back and not only listen to this season, but all of the podcasts from whenever we started this, what, six years ago? Does that sound right? Uh, yeah, just about yeah. Six years ago, uh, we are now on uh, on Spotify and Odyssey. Uh, just go in, search for Ninth State Sports Show, and it should give you all of the episodes uh, that we have posted there. Um, I think what, did we say we said this last week was was we're up to two hundred now, right? Uh, yes, two hundred episodes. Was, is this two hundred one right here? This might be. I think this is this is two hundred one. Although it, it might say. Uh, the count might still be at 199 because, as I mentioned before, I, I miscounted. Uh, w- you know, probably like five years ago, and uh, it threw off the number of episodes. So, yep, uh, that sounds about right. All right. Well, before we get started, uh, let's take a moment to tell you about our sponsor. The presenting sponsor of the Ninth State Sports Show is Roger Howe of the Bean Group. The real estate market has cooled, just like the New England fall weather. Interest rates have risen dramatically the last few months and there could be more increases in the future. Many experts say we may never return to those historical low rates we've had over the last few years. Now is traditionally a slow time in real estate, heading into the holidays and winter. It's time to plan ahead for 2023. Take the time now to connect with Roger Howe from The Bean Group. Whether you are a buyer or a seller, let Roger's many years of experience guide you with a plan on what your next steps should be when the market heats back up after the first of the year. He knows your local market. Contact Roger at 800 450 7784 or 603-247-1583 or email him at Uh Well, before we get into our uh, our, our season wrap-up, uh, we got a bit of news to, I guess, uh, to announce or, or to uh, talk about. I guess it was announced last week. But uh, we've got coaches uh, for the... Uh, the 2023 Chad uh, East-West All-Star Game. Uh, those were coaches were named last week. Uh, for Team East, you've got uh, Londonderry coach Jimmy Lozon will be back again for the fourth time, uh, leading the East team, looking to win a... Um, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting how many times he they've won it as with him as the, the East coach. Maybe two, two of those th- previous three? Um and then uh, on the West, for the first time, you've got Merrimack coach uh, Kip Jackson taking over as the head coach. He's been in a, an assistant for the West team the last two years. Uh, he is going to be the head coach for the West team uh, next summer. Kind of uh, a ni- nice to see him getting, uh, getting a shot at doing that. And a um, you know, really big honor, for I think, for both coaches to, to be involved with that game. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy's done a great job the last few years that he's done it, obviously, and a well-earned uh, continuation for him, given the success that you know we talked about last week at, that they've had at London Dairy and the the build that they've done there. And then, you know, Kip Jackson at Merrimack. It's a that's a really really great choice. I think you know they've they've done a very good job of making that program uh, consistently competitive over the last eight or nine years. I think that that Coach Jackson's been there. And uh, and he's no stranger to these all-star type of games either. He's been an assistant coach on couple of different shrine bowl staffs if i'm not mistaken and and um he's helped out on a number of the the east west uh chad games as an assistant on the staff as well so um so congratulations to both coaches i think those are those are both great choices it's it's such a unique experience for the coaches and the kids 
such an honor to be there. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Chad has continued to been able to get, uh, to be able to get really, really good coaches to, to sort of author that experience for the kids. It's awesome. And, uh, the, the game's going back to, back to primetime, uh, next year. Uh, it'll be held, uh, June 23rd, which is a Friday at six o'clock, uh, at St. A's, um, and that feels a little early too. Uh, usually, it's a little closer to to Fourth of July. Uh, I feel like, but um, yeah, Friday, June twenty third, six o'clock. So uh, maybe avoid some of that uh, that notorious uh, midday summer heat that always seems yeah. to be the case there. So that that's something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, you're right on both counts because I've missed the game the last several years because my family has a tradition of going away for the the week of the Fourth of July. And so I haven't been in the area. Um, and then and then I think you're right, too, about the, the change to the night game. I think the last time they tried to do it at night was my la- was the, the game after my last year coaching at Sauhegan because I went to see some of the players that, that, right. um, that we had that were going to be playing in the game. And, and I don't know if you remember this night or not, but it got oh, rained out. I, re- I remember it because I ended – yeah, I remember sitting around in the press box for like two hours. Uh, it wasn't just rain. It was uh, like like – thunderstorms for the entire night yeah like a monsoon and so they ended up having to pick the game up i think they actually started play if i'm not mistaken i think they had to pick the game up the next day or like a couple days later or something and by then unfortunately because we were leaving on a saturday and it was was originally a friday i I missed it so i had to kind of follow it on twitter and get updates from you and and other people right but uh but yeah so it's it's cool there's a little return to form there and like you said maybe it'll be out of the uh out of some of the summer heat being in late june yeah and at night six o'clock yeah yeah well uh i'm sure um you know they'll they'll have have some time to take in the uh the player nominations and go through picking the teams and and i feel like usually after the first of the year uh the rosters come out for for the the chad all-star game so uh i don't know maybe it'll give us a give us a reason to to throw another football podcast out there uh, yeah hey just let me know i'm always happy to talk about it (laughs) all right well Today we're we're going to talk about um, you know just wrapping up our thoughts on the 2022 season, and also you know discuss some things that um, you know maybe could uh, could be tweaked, could be changed completely, or or things that we liked um, about this year. Uh, and I guess you know we'll start where we usually start, Division One. Um, you know, I, first I wanted to start out with with maybe what what surprised you. Um, you know, sort of surprise us the most. And I think you probably, you look at last weekend uh, and, and you start with that championship game and, and the team that ended up winning the 10 seed Bedford. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's not like Bedford came out of nowhere. Right, I think everybody right. knew they were a good football team coming in. I think the big surprise was just the, the, the playoff performance, quite frankly, right. You come in as a, as a 10 seed and you know, you and I have joked around the last couple of weeks no such thing as a playoff 10th seed, maybe in the history of New Hampshire football. Um, (laughs) Certainly not going back to where, you know, I I think of my history with the sport in the state going back to the early 90s when I was a player. I I don't ever remember there being that situation. And so that, I think, not not a surprise in that, wow, where did that team come from? They weren't very good and they made this run. Not at all. It was more just a matter of how they, how that story played out, I think, through the playoffs and, and the dominating performance that they put on offensively and defensively throughout the course of it. Yeah. Big surprise there. I think. I, yeah. I, I mean, it, I guess you can, you can counter it by saying that this wasn't a typical 10 seed seeded team, like in, in no. any sport, you know, you look at, you look at your 10 seed in most sports and it's, it's a good team, but it's, it's a team that, that has flaws and obviously, and I mean, Bedford had flaws. Um, and I think during the regular season, it might've been their biggest one was just, you know, self-inflicted mistakes you know um you know, the three games that they lost in the regular season you you look at you know not only were they playing very good teams but but they had opportunities to maybe turn games around and and either got penalties or turnovers or missed assignments something happened yeah um, you know those things they either didn't happen in the playoffs or like in the final against Londonderry they were able to overcome them and you you know the the, the other thing too is um the 14 points they gave up to Londonderry, not only was that the only points they gave up in the playoffs, both of those came in the second quarter of that game. You look at that, so that's a span of four games. Um, 
was that 16 quarters and in 15 of them they didn't give up points right uh just a yeah a, a, not not a surprise that that Bedford was able to win but just how they got there I guess to me is the surprise yeah I- no, I, I totally agree, and I and I think the only other thing I would say about that, because I know we covered them extensively last week, um, and, and rightfully so, would be, you know, you, you think about what you said, which is, you know, some of the regular season self-inflicted pain type of stuff. That might have been the best thing that happened to Bedford in terms of their yeah. playoff run, because it may have taken that that really athletic, you know, well-led, senior-heavy type team and might have had them look at themselves and say, hey, look, man, we got to clean this stuff up. Right, like we got to take this seriously. If we want to make a run and not waste our season, we have to focus on some of the mental discipline aspects of the game and eliminate some of these penalties and mistakes. Maybe that was the best thing that could have happened to them. That, and you, I think you add in too that the pressure's off at that point too. You know, right. no, no one expects us to win. Right. So why Let's don't go out and play? Yeah. Who cares, right? Um, you know, but I think some of the other teams that that surprised uh, this year. You know, you look at at Wyndham and Concord. And and to a degree, I think Timberlane too. Um, you know, I knew I, we knew Timberlane was going to be good coming back up to Division One, but we just didn't know how good. I think um, because it's you know that that's a a, a difference. Um, you know, you got a nine game schedule that's that's probably you know tough throughout as opposed to the the schedule in Division Two where there's a couple of weeks that are, are a little bit lighter. Um, yeah, yeah, you got to play a little bit differently week to week through right. the course of a year in D1. No question. Um, you know, and then you look at it for, for Wyndham, uh, you know, they, they had had, they won one game uh, in, in 2021 to turn around and, and have a playoff season this year. Their first one in division one, uh, first time in the playoffs since I, uh, I think what 2016 was when they moved their, their last year in division two, yeah. uh, you know, and then conquered their first playoff appearance uh, since 2014. Um, you know, it's two teams that had great senior classes this year uh, were able to, you know, um, have it all kind of come together for them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of happens next year. You know, as they graduate, a lot of those kids are there are there kids to step up and fill in those places. Um, so, you know, that that'll be um, that'll be something to keep an eye on as the next the off season goes on, I guess, to see maybe what those kids are doing to get ready. Yeah, that's the hardest thing for for me is that I don't have all the roster data, you know, on all the teams. Like I know the players and their names and a lot of times their stats, but sometimes I'm just not well educated on, you know, who was a senior, who was a junior, that type of thing. But I, a, a number of those teams have some really marquee players coming back that weren't seniors this year, right? Like I mean, Elia Bahuma, for example, for Concord was a junior this year. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, you wouldn't yeah. know that by watching him play. I mean, I thought for sure the first couple times I watched Conquer that he had to be a senior. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think a, a number of these teams have some pretty, some pretty big juniors um, and underclassmen that are coming back, which I think is that bodes well not just for those teams, but for football in Division One in New Hampshire, right? Because you know, you, you, sometimes you've had these. What, you know, quote unquote, down years, right? Where like everybody seems to graduate a big crop of talent, and the quality just isn't there. Maybe I don't see that being the case next year. I, I see it being a, another really competitive year with very good players on the field. Yeah, I, you're right. Even the teams that like, you know, you look at at Londonderry that had a lot of seniors. Uh, Timberlane had a, you know a lot of big senior class. Bishop Girton had one as well. But you know, looking at at and uh, Pinkerton, of course, losing. Um, some very talented seniors, but you look at, at their rosters and and some of the other guys that were that were contributing, um, and a lot of them have guys, yeah, like you said, that that are, um, you know, or if if they're not guys that are, are coming back, you can see just kind of the okay, well, this guy I saw get a little bit of playing time, and he's going to be stepping in, you know, he looked like he was pretty good, you know, like that yeah. kind of, you can see flashes of it at times, but I I think it's yeah, it's. It's going to be a tough one to, I think, gauge when we're sitting here next August looking at some of these teams. Um, you know, not just because we maybe we don't know some of these guys, but I think we're going to know some of them, and they're all going to be pretty good. Like, and then you add in the the new element now of this thirteen team playoff. Uh, you know, and and like again, another you know, is there another ten seed that's going to come out right. of nowhere, or or what's you know, it's just. Um, yeah, the proof of it was in the Bedford yeah, performance exactly, this year, right? That that right. formula can work and and work 
for anybody, really, right? If you're good enough to get in there, you can make it happen. Yeah. Um, yeah I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, Joe, I, th- I think the other, I don't know if you were going to ask me this question or not, but I think the only other teams that I might throw in there as potential surprises would be, would be Spalding, um, who I know didn't end strong, but started off very strong and did some damage, um, you know, for the first time in a while, yeah, right. I think yeah. they, they had a season that they can really be proud of and build on. And, and I would also say Merrimack, um, ended up having a really good year. Uh, again, they're competitive, um, in and out, I think every year. But, you know, that from a media standpoint, right, kind of going back to what you just said, sometimes we just don't know, right? We're taking guesses. I think from a media standpoint, you didn't hear much about Merrimack coming into this season. No, that's right. And I think they did a lot of damage, and I think they proved um, that they could play with anybody at the end of the year, right? They gave Londonderry a run for their money. They beat Bedford. Um, so, you know, again, I think that was also a, a, a good team, uh, a couple good teams to highlight there. Yeah, for, and, and Spalding, I think that too, them too, first playoff appearance in, I, I think, 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. Right. Um, you know, and, and it's been interesting too, um, kind of maybe uh, bigger picture from a more historical kind of sense too. You know, I, I'd say maybe a decade ago, you know, we were looking at Division One, and it was – you know, it was Pinkerton and it was Exeter, you know, who had just moved up from Division Two a couple of years previous and then won back-to-back titles. And even, you know, the early part of, of this um, expanded Division One, you know, Pinkerton winning, Exeter getting to a couple of championship games. But, you know, kind of lately it feels like there's been a, a little bit more of a shift. You know, you've had Londonderry in there a couple times, Winnicott in there a couple times, Bedford's now won, you know, three championships in the last uh, six or seven years. You had Nashua North, you know, uh, contending and, and winning a couple of years ago. Um, you know, Goffstown has been there a few times. So it's really like, you know, you had that stretch there, I think, from, from the early 2000s into, you know, 2010, 2011, where it was a lot of the same teams kind of over and over again. And, yeah, uh, yeah. South and, was in there too with Ferreter yeah, and yeah, Zocco. A couple and... of times, yep. Right, you know, some of those big names that they had back in that time frame. But you're right. <clears throat> it feels like there's a lot more parity now to who can get in and, and who can who can make it and win. Yeah, I, I think you, you know, a, a lot of years you, you go in. I mean, I th- we like this season, we went in thinking that Londonderry was going to be a team that was in the final. Um, you know, and, and, and I, that all, hasn't always been the case where – and I think that's probably the bigger, the most exciting thing about this is just we can look at it and say, yeah, we like this team, we like that team, and and more often than not, I think we've been wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, which is great, I think, right? And and it should be hopefully, um, you know, ho- hopefully it's a motivation point for for all the teams in the state to look at that and say, you know, it's wide open, right? Like look at what's happened over the last decade or so in terms of you know, who's been a quote unquote favorite and who's actually made it and who hasn't and who actually won and who has, I mean, I think if, if I'm a, if I'm a relatively good established football program, you know, you that's a motivator. You're thinking to yourself, Hey man, if we put in a little bit of extra work this season than we normally do and get the right leadership and the right chemistry and the right kind of thing, like things can roll well for us. We, we can do it right. You don't have to sit there and say, well, you know, we might be pretty good, but we're probably not going to beat Pinkerton this year. You know, that that kind of thing that hangs over teams sometimes. Yeah. Um, you don't have to think that way anymore, and I, I think that's good. So I guess this is the point where, where uh, say, any any idea who might um, who might be that team next year, that uh, Bedford that uh, either sneaks up on everybody and, and goes on a run, or, or the Londonderry that uh, is dominant for most of the year? I, 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 I'm kind of putting you on the spot there, but so if you don't have an answer, I, I have one that I can, uh, I can share. <laughs> Well, why don't, why don't you go ahead, and I'll, I do have some thoughts, but I, I'm I'm going to bow well, to you. Uh, so, you get paid the bigger bucks. You know, I, I know I know where you know high school football is obviously much different than college and different than than the pros. But lately, you know, you, you kind of I feel like if you look at the teams that it, it starts at quarterback for most of these teams, right? Um, you know, with with more teams being um, you know getting the passing game into their um, their game plan or, you know, just needing that, that guy to, to be a big part of their offense. Um, 
you know, so I, my thing is I kind of start with the guys. Who are the guys that are going to be back, uh, you know, and, and who maybe has a replacement for a guy that graduated? I, and I, you start, with I guess, with Bedford. You know, Danny Black was a junior this year. Um, you know, we expect him to be back, uh, you know, as a senior leading the Bulldogs. Um, I know they, like you mentioned earlier, they lose some pretty good seniors, but, um, you know, they, they continue to, to develop kids uh, in that program. Um, you know, they've been doing it for over 10 years now with, with a couple different head coaches. So, um, I, you know, I wouldn't expect them to drop off too much. Um, but, you know, then I look at kind of teams like Bishop Girton and Timberlane, um, you know, teams that had longtime established quarterbacks, um, but but might have a guy coming up that can can step in at some point. You know, n- maybe not right away. O- it, it isn't smooth right away, but eventually it kind of gets there. You know, Timberlane has, um, you know, they're losing Dom Capetta to graduation. They've got Gary Schivel, who actually started in the championship game for them in Division II uh, in right. 2021. You know, he'll be a senior next year. And then you look at BG, they've got a, a, a guy in Mike McDonough who's a junior who's, you know, gotten in there and played – uh, at times, um, you know, it's, I guess it's just seeing what kind of comes up around them, um, in the, you know, in those, um, to see how far they can kind of get over the summer here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Timberlane is the, is the team that kind of has the most obvious reload at quarterback, just because, you know, there's a guy with significant experience, um, starting in a championship game because Capetto was hurt. I think Capetta might have been hurt for that playoff run, if I'm not mistaken. I, you're, you're right. Yeah, he was, I believe. Um, and to step in and still, yeah, I mean, you know, again, they beat Milford in the championship game. Milford was a very good football team that year. Right. Um, they had gone up and beaten, decisively beaten, undefeated Laconia. I mean, I'm sorry, not Laconia, Lebanon. Lebanon right, yep. The week before. And, you know, that, so to have him go out there and quarterback that team, after losing a dynamic guy like Capetta, I think that's an obvious quarterback reload. Some of the other teams, not as obvious, right? You said, the, um, what's the name of the guy from BG? Uh, Mike McDonough. Yeah, right. That might be another one just because he's gotten his time. Um, you know, I, I can't think of many other instances where I've seen Division One, you know, QB2s that, that have had significant experience that will be stepping in. And then you got a couple of guys that are going to be back, too. You know, Dover's uh, Ryder Aubin um, is a junior. Um, you know, and then um, I just had it right in front of me. And, of course, it's uh, it's not there. And uh, Aiden Thomas from uh, from Portsmouth. Um, yeah, right who, was good, who was very good. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so um, yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's that's the place you, you need that, that. That's kind of the foundation to start with these days. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's that. And then the one that's the hardest to gauge, so that's the easiest one to gauge and the most obvious, I think the hardest one to gauge is who's bringing what back in terms of defensive and offensive line. Right, yeah, yeah. And that's the hardest one because they're not on the, the stat sheets as, as guys who scored or, you know, did this or did that. I mean, you know, so it's it's very hard. You know, I know we've tried to do our best to highlight some of the offensive line folks this year, and, and you know, we even had a player of the week at one point, um, but it, 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 it's harder to do. And I think that's the other big factor, right? Hey, we're bringing our quarterback back, but we graduated five off the offensive line. Oof, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Or the opposite. Hey, we're bringing in a new guy at QB, but we bring back four out of five starters from a team that won, you know, two playoff games or something, right? However that were, you know, okay, wow. They're, they have a chance to be really good. I, I'll put it, you know what, I, I guess I'll, I'll uh, put it, kind of maybe this way I'm looking at it. I think back to, um, you know, Nashua South, uh, maybe about 10 years ago when, when Trevor Knight graduated, you know, he was one of the, the few seniors, um, on that offense, you know, that, that graduated, I think they returned everybody else, uh, yeah. offensive line, skill guys, everything except the quarterback. And, you know, they, they went from being, I, I want to say they were like eight and one and seven and two. Uh, and then the next year, I think they, they won four games. And miss yeah. the playoffs, so I mean, it's, and, and frankly, they've struggled since his departure. Um, yeah, they've had a couple. They had a couple of good, you know, a, a couple of years where they were a playoff team. But yeah, they've they've struggled to kind of get that consistency since then. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, um, what about uh, Division Two? I'll let I'll let you start with this one. Was there anybody that surprised you in Division Two this year? Oh, got to be Guilford Belmont. Yeah, got to be. And not to again, not to say I didn't think they were going to be good. You know, I think they had kind of a breakout season the year before, 
making their first playoff appearance. I think they came in as the as the last seed, right? Whatever it was, they were a lower seed too. Yeah, they went on the road. I don't remember exactly what uh, where they were though. Yeah, but to fight through that really good division, um, earn the one seed, um, and and then really, I mean, they had they had their hands around Salhegan's throat in that. Um, I think it was semifinal, semifinal round, game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Salhegan had to come roaring back. Um, to, to 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 kind of steal that one away just with with heart and guts at the end there, but um, I, I think that was a I think that was a big surprise uh, to New Hampshire football in general. Right again, not to say I didn't expect them to be good, I just didn't expect them to be. You know, what was it a point? I mean, a point away from going to the final. They were, yeah. It, well, it wasn't just that. I mean, they were they were up what twenty eight fourteen at halftime of that semifinal. And then Sauhegan scored, and on the extra point, I think Guilford Belmont was was called for offsides or something, and Sauhegan yes. decided to go for two and got it. And right, that was the, it is exactly right. Yeah, that was the difference. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. You know, I thought I thought they were a playoff team this year for sure. You know, to look at their regular season where they go, they're undefeated in the regular season. You know, they beat Bo fifty-two thirty-three in the regular season. They beat Plymouth thirty-five fourteen. Um, St. Thomas, thirty-four-seven. I mean, those have been the teams that have kind of been dominant in that that conference, uh, and in the division. Um, you know, and they they handled most of those teams. Uh, yes. You know, so yeah, definitely expected them to be good. Didn't expect them to be that good, and and you know, a, a great season for them. Uh, I thought. You know, and yeah. Then, uh, a team on the other side. I mean, I you know, I was looking at the rest of the the playoff field, and it's kind of like. I, to me, I, I think most of those teams were the teams that we expected to be in there. Um, I think Milford was maybe the one team that I thought was going to be a playoff team that, that wasn't, um, you know, but a team that, that I thought was a, a bit of a surprise given their recent history was uh, was John Stark. Yes. You know, going, yes, uh, I think so too. I think, I think they, uh, especially the fact that they, they ended on a really good run. You know, uh, you know, a lot of times what you see in teams that are rebuilding is that they might come out strong, but then as you know, maybe that the the numbers or the the strength program or whatever it was wasn't quite where you wanted it to be. You know, as as little sort of attrition and injuries and things like that start to nick away at you, you sort of peter out at the end. And they did the opposite; they came on stronger at the end, um, and and had a really competitive season. So I think I think that's a I think that's a great sign for them. Um, and then, what was the other team that you mentioned in the same breath as them? Thought you oh, mentioned I was just saying. Else. I was just saying Milford. I thought was. Um, oh yes, yes. Yeah, it was a playoff team this year, and then they came up uh, came up short. Yeah, I mean, I think Milford was probably more of a surprise to me, just because you're used to them being yeah, there. Yeah. You know, they're well coached. They always have tough kids. They always have like that one offensive slash defensive lineman who is. Uh, an absolutely elite type of kid. They didn't have that kid this year, um, and I think they. I think we also kind of underestimated. They did graduate a lot of really, really good seniors um, that were skill position guys. Um, you know, they, they brought back Chuck Erda, who is an awesome player, um, but they had to replace almost everybody around him. So, you know, I'm sure some of those guys were young this year. I'm sure that they'll be back next year. Um, but yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise, but I, I do think that they had a lot of work to do to replace some guys too. You know, maybe the other surprise on a, a not, not so much a team wide basis, but, but a game to game was, was the championship game itself. Um, I certainly didn't think that, that it was going to be that one sided towards Pelham, you know, especially given that, uh, they'd played such a close regular season game with, with Sauhegan, um, you know, and, and just that again, maybe a little bit like Timberlane, you know, moving up. You're not really sure what, how it's going to go, you know, from the start. Um, you know, in hindsight, it's kind of like, oh, well, yeah, it makes sense. Um, you know, but but just kind of a, you know, not as, again, maybe a little bit like Guilford Belmont, not totally a surprise to see them win the championship. Maybe more of a surprise that they were undefeated and as dominant as they were throughout the season. Yeah, no, I agree. I actually, I actually thought that Sauhegan had a good chance of winning that game. Yeah, and that's not to take anything away from from Pelham. It's to say that 
you know, again, a, a long, long experience in high school football coaching as a as an assistant and as a head coach. It's very hard to beat a good team twice, um, especially if you're if you were closely matched in in the first game. Yeah, it's very hard to do. Um, and so that was, you know, one of the factors I was looking at is saying, hey, both of these teams are really well coached. They're both very, very good. They go about their business in very different ways, um, but they're both they both got, you know kids uh from top to bottom in terms of just bubbas that can play um so it was a little surprising but maybe it shouldn't have been because one of the things that we did talk about through the course of the season as we were in awe with just how good and how fast and and skilled Sauhegan was was that they if they had one minor weakness it was that they seemed to struggle against teams that ran the ball right at them um and and, and where does Pelham make their money right there <laughs> doing that right and doing it well so so in a way um that was the only thing that was kind of on my mind where i, I was saying hey well you know will sow he can be able to 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 stop them and you know obviously obviously they couldn't um well enough anyway but um but yeah i, I think that's fair to say a, a little bit of a surprise um and it'll be interesting to see what pelham comes back with next year right can they right. maintain that quality of football yeah you know looking over um you know the 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 program um you know they it, it feels like they were a very senior heavy team and certainly a lot of their their top players were seniors but you know looking at their roster you know there's a lot of other underclassmen sprinkled in there you know they had a, a couple of juniors and a couple of sophomores in there as well and some freshmen um you know so it's no you know they could be right back where they are uh where they were this year you know, certainly Sauhegan, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about their underclassmen and, and their potential, um, you know, coming back. You look at, um, you know, St. Thomas, they don't they don't lose a lot from, from a playoff team this year. Um, you know, Plymouth always seems to have kids uh, yeah. that are competitive. Uh, and Plymouth was, like, objectively young this year, yeah, I think. right, right. Right, so they'll bring a lot of kids back um, and, and, and probably be right back in right. it again. Um, Hanover was pretty young. Um, you know, they again lose some seniors, but some of their top guys, uh, you know, they'll be returning. Even even Guilford Belmont, you know, you look at the that Isaiah Reese, you know, was was had a a standout season there, and uh, you know he was just a junior, so you know potential for him to come back and have a really big senior year uh, for them. So it's um, you know, it's 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 interesting how it kind of. Is, is shaping up you know you look at at uh, and and we'll maybe get into this a little bit later in terms of you know talking about roster sizes and stuff um you know it, it feels like that in some places these senior classes and even the junior classes are a little bit smaller than what you might expect and uh, you know the team that comes to mind when you when you say that is is i know we talked about Goffstown earlier in the year you know i think having something like a combined 13 seniors and juniors this year um, yeah, you know, and and how much of an effect is that from, you know, the the pandemic? You know, that the kids maybe didn't come out to play football and never came out to play football, or right, you know, did you know had played football and decided not to for those year that year or two, uh, right? You know, so so that's is is that having an effect on on some of these teams and you know making younger kids play earlier, and it just means that they're going to be you know that much better you know a year from now, right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And by the way, I didn't know that Isaiah was a junior. He's well, okay. So I'll say this: he's listed. Uh, this happens at times, but he's listed in the program that the NHIA put out as a junior. It wouldn't be the first time that they've had someone's uh, class wrong. <laughs> you know, it makes sense with another data point that I was, I was, I'm not sure whether I wanted to mention it or not, but now I feel more comfortable mentioning it. I just saw the division two East all-star list, all state. Okay. List, and he was not the quarterback. Interesting. Well, yeah, <laughs> that was what I said. <laughs> I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, so maybe you're, you know, I, I've been in those rooms enough times where, you know, kids are being selected and stuff. And sometimes it's a, you know, there's decisions. And I think in, in some cases, rightfully, and in other cases, not rightfully, but, you know, where you favor a senior at a position like quarterback, right. knowing that the other guy, but, but you know, hey, again, at the end of the day, I, I think 
the best player should be on there. Right. Um, uh, is it is it possible that he was listed as like player of the year? And I know because I know sometimes they've done that in in not just in football but in other sports. But if a, a a kid makes player of the year, they don't also put him on the first team. So I'm checking that right <laughs> now because that is a good question. I don't see a player of the year listed. Okay, which is it's very bizarre to me. It, how can you be player of the year? I mean, oh no, he is the player of the year. I'm sorry. Boom, okay, there so you maybe, go. So maybe that's <laughs> and he listed as a junior. Hey, if I had looked at the darn thing, <laughs> you're right though, Joe. That's a good, that that was a good catch because here I was looking at this saying like, wow, how did he not make? How did he not make quarterback? Because well, because well, he's the player of the year. <laughs> well, I guess that that gives us a good transition into Division Three because yes. I noticed the same thing about the Division Three teams that Scott Hirschberger is listed as the player of the year, and he's not listed as like the the first team running back of the year. Right. You know. Right. I don't understand that, uh, but it's I'm not the one making those calls. Yeah, I think it's it's a nice way to get another kid on the list sometimes, right? right? Yeah, Which sure, again, I'm, sure. I'm not saying that to and rolling my eyes at the same time. I mean that genuinely, right? I remember um, we had a team that I coached for had a player of the year guy, you know, type guy that was nominated one year. I think it was Brian Liamos at Hollis Brookline. And, you know, he, so he didn't make fullback or linebacker sort of thing. Right. And he's okay. I can concede that, you know, player of the year is pretty, pretty darn cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so division three, um, you know, I, I listed, I, I emailed you my, who I thought was the, the biggest surprises. And I, I went with the two teams that were battling for that last playoff spot uh, in, in interlakes, Moultonboro, who I kind of had forgotten about this, but went, you know, obviously went back and looked. they, you know, they win six games this year, make the playoffs, um, they hadn't won in the previous three seasons, uh, 21, 19, and then 18, leave, leaving out 2020, you know, for obvious reasons. They'd only won four games total in those right. three years. Um, yeah, like I said, I had kind of forgotten about that. Um, you know, so to see them turn it around, um, you know, get to where they did and, and make the playoffs was just, a, you know, a huge thing, I think, for that program, especially being in, again, in Division Three. Yeah, I agree. That would have been my, that would have been my pick too. You know, as much as we talked about the, you know, the parity that exists in Division One, um, you know, Division Three has kind of been, Benadnock and Trinity and Campbell, um, for some time now. Yeah. Um, so you know, it would be hard for me to say that any one of those teams having success this season was a big surprise story. So I, I certainly think the most obvious choice there is. Is interlakes, especially given that yeah they were they were a one win team in 2021, um, and like you said, four wins over the previous seasons that you know again not not counting the COVID year, um, yeah huge return for them because they had had um, a, a swing of games probably five five or six years ago they were pretty good that you know they had won a state championship or I'm not even sure if they might have won two or they at least were, been in they were in back to back into in 2015 and 2016 they made. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah, right. So good to see them back uh, to to challenge there. Um, and and I guess no surprise on the on the Hirschberger selection as player of the year either, right? I mean, he was a sophomore, right? Yeah, he's a sophomore. Yeah, I, I gotta I gotta figure out where does Campbell come up with these <laughs> these these running backs that play for like three or four years? And it seems like they have another one. Every three or four years, could, it's a like good a young question. guy yeah. that could just like get the ball thirty times in that scheme and dominate. I, I I'd love to know where they find these guys, but my God, I they I don't know. I I I honestly I don't even have a joke for you there to 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 try to or something to you know to try to to make light of the situation. It's I don't know. Yeah, but you know what I mean, right? Like they no, always no, yeah, have. It seems yeah. like they always have that guy who's their who's their go to offensive weapon for like three or four years. I mean, sometimes we've seen freshmen out there and guys that have been four year starters for them. It, it just, it, uh, man, if they've got some formula, you should bottle that up and sell it. <laughs> sell it right. Yeah. And make a good amount off that. Uh, yeah. you know, you mentioned, um, you know, the, the, the Trinity Manadnock Campbell, uh, you know, threesome up there being not su- not surprising that they were at the top of the standings. But I would say I- I'll say Campbell's maybe run to the championship was a bit surprising. Yeah. Um, you know, from the outside, uh, just you know, they lose to Trinity in the regular season. They have that 
you know, just one-sided game against Monadnock in the in the regular season. So they turn around and go to Monadnock in the playoffs and and return the favor. And then they were just they they were dominant in that uh, that final uh, yes. against Trinity. So yeah, that was um, that was uh, rather eye-opening. I thought. Yeah, not the same circumstances, obviously, as as Bedford, but a similar feeling uh, to to Bedford's run at the end, where you know you kind of considered them, you know, sort of the outsider looking in, especially like you said with the results in the in the regular season against those 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 top two teams, and then to just turn around and completely flip the script. I mean, on Manadnock was I'm still jaw dropped by that. and you and I were at that Trinity game. It it, it was a close game score wise. I'm, I'm not sure that it ever felt that way. Right. It, it just felt like Campbell dominated that game from the first whistle. Quite frankly. Yeah. I, um, which I, was I also a surprise, right? Trinity was a really good football team this year. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. It, I mean, yeah, it was a two point game, and it really felt like it was a you know a, a two touchdown game. It did. It did. I mean, time of possession, the amount of fourth downs that they converted. Uh, limiting Trinity's offense as much as they did. You know, I think there were a couple of big plays that Trinity scored on, but Trinity couldn't put anything together. And again, all of those very surprising, given uh, given how good Trinity was. Um, so yeah, that, that you, I think in in a very similar way that we could talk about Bedford being a, a surprise, quote unquote. Um, I think you could say the same thing about Campbell. You know, and and with these uh, those four playoff teams, um, you know, looking over their rosters too, um, not a lot of seniors, uh, like we said with uh, with you know Division two, uh, and into to some degree Division one, um, you know, so it wouldn't be a surprise to see, you know, some combination of these four, um, or or these four getting into the playoffs again next year, and and you know, two of them obviously getting to the final. Um, yeah, so it um yeah, maybe <laughs> I'm trying to kind of lost my train of thought there. Um well well it's interesting that you say that because you know, the other big question would be for the non-playoff teams, what do they have coming back, right? Cuz when you think about parity, you could say hey, it's you know, it's good that those that those uh those top-tier teams are all you know, they weren't particularly senior heavy, so from a quality standpoint, man, they'll be good, but if the non-playoff teams did lose a bunch of seniors, now you know you may have a Division Three with with sort of a haves and have-nots, uh, you know, a, a bigger disparity there. Um, um, and, I, and I always think that's an interesting question. Which I mean, you know, to some degree, there kind of, you know, there kind of was one a little bit. You know, you had um, right, you know, obviously Conval and Kingsward moving down um, to try to strengthen their programs. They, you know between the two of them get one win with, with Conval's win over Kingswood. Yeah. Um, you know, a bunch of games that were, you know, very one-sided towards those top four teams or top, top three teams really even. Um, yeah. So it'll, that, that's something to see. And, and I guess that there is our, our segue into division four because that was, that was kind of what the the story of division four this year, right? When you you have Summersworth beating Newport in the final, and then afterwards both coaches uh, from each team come out and say, "Geez, we would have rather played each other seven times this year than than go through the schedule that that we went through." Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and I really don't think just for for absolute clarity, I don't, I don't think either coach meant any disrespect. No, of course not at yeah. all to their. Yeah. Other. I think they were more kind of sort of humbly saying. You know, we know we have good football programs. It, it's really not fun to beat up on these other programs that are that are struggling. You know, I think I think that was a, their genuine intent there. Right, well, and I would agree with them if I was in that position. Yeah, when when you're, you know, the final was a fourteen to six Summersworth win over Newport, and I mean that was the only game that either team had that was closer than um, than three touchdowns. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you you do look at that and say. You know, I mean, uh, how how could you? What does anyone get out of having that week after week after week? I don't, right. I don't quite, you know, there you you don't really get much from that. Um, yeah, it's like the, it's like the kid who puts Madden, you know, who's a who's real, you know, puts Madden on rookie, you know, and just <laughs> beats up on the 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 AI team, you know, for right. 
a 52 point win every time he plays the yeah, game. It's exactly. like, okay, are you having fun? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and that's not what, you, you know, that's not what coaches want. And by the way, that's not what champions want either. Right. No. I'm sure those teams would much prefer to be challenged and sharpened um, by a, by a tougher schedule. And, and I'm so, so I guess this, this, um, this kind of leads me into to one of my, uh, you know, thoughts on changes that, that, you know, should probably be considered moving forward. Obviously, they can't happen next year because of this, you know, the two-year cycle. This was the first year. Next year will be the second year. So maybe, you know, when this all comes up again in the in next fall as they're making plans for, for um, you know, the, the 2024 season, I, I think it's about time that we, we uh, maybe went back to these three divisions with an expand, you know, combining division three and four. I mean, the whole point, I thought was to eliminate games, you know, make it more competitive, uh, and eliminate some of these games that are, are blowouts, and and it hasn't done that. I I mean, th- this was the least competitive division I can remember seeing, you know, in a long time, and um, you know, I, I I'll, you want me to you want me to give you the numbers on on what I went went back and and researched here. Yeah, go ahead, because it has been rough for a while, yeah. so I do want to hear that. So I went back and looked at not just twenty twenty two but also 2021 and 2019. Again, I left out 2020 because of COVID. Uh, I don't have 2018, which was the first year of Division Three. I, I, for some reason, didn't save those numbers, but I imagine it doesn't look much different. So I went in to see how many games were blowouts. And and my definition of a blowout here is, is a game that was won by 21 points or more. Yep. Uh, so you could say, oh, why not go with Mercy rule games it's like well sometimes you can't tell looking at the final score what was a mercy rule game right you know so i thought 21 was a safe number three touchdowns is is kind of a convincing win in my mind yeah so in 2019 you had including playoffs you had 21 such games won by 21 points or more uh in 2021 that number went to 25 games 21 points or more and then this year again including playoffs with with only eight teams, by the way, playing seven game uh, schedules, you had another twenty games. You know, so that's over a course of three years. You've got over almost seventy games that are are not what you would say is competitive. You know, right. and, then, and then looking at at Summersworth, um, you know, their their uh, point differential in these last two years. You know, you look in twenty twenty one, they're they scored three hundred ninety two points, gave up ninety nine. This year they they scored three hundred ninety three, gave up forty seven. Yeah, you can't convince me that that team couldn't have competed, and and Newport too competed with with Trinity and Campbell, and Monadnock in Division three. Yeah, you know, yeah, I had pointed out about Newport that they had they had put in uh, they put a hurt on Monadnock a couple years right, ago. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. a convincing hurt on right. Monadnock a couple years. And Monadnock was a good football team. Yes. You know, so if if we're <clears throat> We're we're trying to save these these programs that are getting blown out from getting blown out, and it's not happening. And in the other hand, we're hurting these other teams like Summersworth, like Newport, like you know a couple of years ago when Winnesquam was the team that was dominating Division Four. We're we're hurting those teams to try to save these other teams that it's not it's just not working. They're going they're they're getting blown out whether it's by trinity or campbell or winnesquam or summers you know it, it's i don't see the point to doing this at right. some point you know something's got to give um you know and this was kind of the whole point of of getting rid of the six divisions to begin with because you had you know pinkerton and exeter and um you know whoever else was at the top of division one over here blowing out teams and then you had bg and um Winnicott at the top of division, you know, you combine those and it just made things more, more interesting. And I think it raised the level of competition too. I think if you were to do that, you know, some of these programs might get better on their own and you know what? And, and not everybody's good every single year. I mean, you look at, again, a a program like Winnesquam or a program like Summersworth, they've had down years in there and then they've brought it back up and won championships. And you know what? They're, they're probably going to have down years again at some point. That's right. Just, that's the way high school sports go. Yeah, well, they, it should be the way high school sports go, right? I mean, and I think I think doing the the division jockey every two years 
can actually hurt a little bit because, you know, if you're one of those programs, you don't know where you stand. You don't know what you're going to have to do. You don't know what kind of schedule you're going to have to. It, it gives people, I think it makes it harder to get your footing when, oh, you were good the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, you're going up and no, you weren't very good the last couple of years. You're going down. Right. I mean, if you do that every couple of years, you know, we've seen some of these cases where the team, the team goes down, you, you know, maybe Alvern is a good example of this, right? The team goes down and it just happens to be for a two-year cycle where they're going to be really good. Yeah. And yeah, they go and they have this great playoff run in the lower division, but you also gave up the opportunity to have a pretty good run in the in, in your home division. Yeah. Which is kind of a weird thing, right? I mean, I mean it's unfortunate that the timing works out that way sometimes, but I don't know. Very it, it's it's a tough one to get your head wrapped around. Well, I also came up with a compromise. Uh, if, if, if that's all right. Um, oh, know, yeah, to, to yeah kinda, fire away. To kind of give, you know, because there was another thing that I mentioned to you mid-season uh, that I wanted to talk about on this show, um, you know, that, that dawned on me. You know, when we had, you know, Lebanon forfeiting a game this year because they didn't have enough healthy kids, and Kearsarge, I think, forfeited a game against Trinity this year because they didn't have enough healthy kids, and this is something that's happened in years past too, but it feels like for whatever reason this year, Maybe there's there's more of that, um, you know, numbers in some places were down lower than they've ever been. You know, maybe it's time to start considering doing something outside of the box and going to, like, eight-man football, you know. Let some of these teams, that, that programs that maybe only have 20 kids, you know, play some kind of something different, you know, that is football, just maybe with, with less players um, to try to, you know, build, again, build the programs back up. I, I don't I mean, I, is that is that crazy? No, I mean, there are states that do it. You, you know, uh, I mean, Texas does it. I think you had mentioned uh, at one point Maine, Maine does, does it. it. Yeah. Uh, and that's I mean, so that's a neighboring state that, by the way, we started to have a relationship with this year in terms of some crossover games that I thought were exciting to have. You know, why not sit down with one of these states that that have those other options and say, how did you work it? What parameters did you do you use? Right? What worked? What didn't? As you as you implemented these things, invite some of the the coaches and athletic directors of those schools who might be candidates in New Hampshire to that sort of a summit meeting, and, and just ask questions. Right? Kind of hash it out. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because um, the alternative, I I think is 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 worse. And and that is again in a, I think this happens with a lot of sports, but I think it's most prevalent with football just because of the type of sport that football is. If you find yourself on a downward slide, especially in a, in a lower division team because you have less um, population to draw from, right? I think it's a lot harder to get yourself out of that, that gradual downward spiral because you're not winning, you're going out there, you're getting beaten up, you know, you lose kids. And then there's the few kids that maybe aren't very, you know, aren't starters or superstars or whatever. And they start to question, hey, should I do something else this next fall? And, you know, it might only be two or three, but two or three of those guys every single year, that adds up really quick to diminishing numbers when they start questioning whether they want to dedicate themselves to something like football and have very little reward come of it. Um, And we've already lost one program i mean farmington newt hasn't had a team in the last two years i don't know what the situation is there is if that's something that's ever going to come back um you know but but i mean it could this potentially could having an alternative saved it and and i think you know that could be the case for other programs too i mean what's what if the alter if the the choices are no football at all or eight-man football right wouldn't you go with the eight-man football yeah i would every single time um, again, I'd want to be more educated on it, and I think that's right. where the, the the fact that Maine has, and I'm not sure whether Vermont does or not, but the fact that Maine has this situation, why not reach out and have some sort of a summit? And just, talk, like, again, there's no no harm in talking about it, right? And and by the way, if you're going to do that, you do that now. Yeah. Even though it's not going to happen next year because that's year two of the two-year cycle, yeah. but you do it now so that you have a full year to take a look at what's going on in New Hampshire, to do the analysis, to have coaches and athletic directors talk, really talk about what the right thing to do is, you, you do that now. Um, 
Because I think the only other alternative, Joe, and it is a reasonable alternative, but it, it's not a, a snap your fingers and it gets better sort of thing, is that you know football is, is one of those things, I think particularly in non-Division One communities. Football is one of those things that's a full community effort. If, if, if you're going to have a successful varsity high school program in Division Two, Three, or Four, as they currently exist in New Hampshire, there's got to be a full community behind you in terms of the the youth program, and the, and and then that doesn't mean the youth programs have to do what the high school does because a lot of times these are co-ops and all and all kinds of things. Right? I'm just talking about you have to have a community that's behind football that understands. Yeah, yeah you were you saying? Yeah, you know, like like the benefits of football to the kids in the community and stuff, and and, it, and if that gets sour it's almost impossible when you're one of these smaller schools to, to pull yourself up out of that. Um, and that's the other alternative. That's the only other alternative is that you've got to build very slowly at the grassroots, you know, fourth and fifth grade type level to say, Hey, we got to get some excitement back in this thing. Yeah. And there's no magic formula to doing that either. Yeah. And, and in some places that might be even tough. I mean, if it's a newer program that's now feel, feeling some hurt and, and there are other sports that existed before, Right. You know, You're fighting against yeah. soccer, which is yeah. a, a much more accessible sport, right? Let's right. face it. I, I mean, obviously, I don't like soccer more than I like football. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, admittedly, it's a more accessible sport. You know, you don't need the helmets and shoulder pads. You don't need to go out there and hit and learn how to tackle. And I mean, it's skill intensive, but it's it's not, it, it, again, more accessible. Right. So you're fighting against that when you're trying to start something up yeah. or rejuvenate something. Well, that's, uh, I think that's probably our major change. Uh, I know we've talked about at times about, you know, the, getting the championship games back to UNH and, and trying to, you know, balance things out so you can be at more games. Or, and, and this year, this year that definitely was the case. There were more Friday night playoff games, I think, than ever before. Um, I feel like every week I was going to two games, which is great, uh, obviously, except, the, you know, the, the last week when there was only one. Um, yep. And you know what? I'll even say this. since Since we were... You know, w let's end on a positive note, uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go out and say that the change that they made to Division One this year, I actually, in the long run, I liked. Um, I didn't think there was a problem with the previous one, but what they changed it to uh, certainly made things more interesting and obviously gave us a, a what I thought was a fairly entertaining playoff season. I agree, and... You know, we, we, the theme of our show, whether it was intended or not, a lot of it was surprises. Right. Um, and to me, personally, that was one of the biggest surprises was that I liked the Division One format. And I, because I didn't think I was going to. Yeah. On paper, I was kind of like, what the heck? You know, like, what are we doing that for? <laughs> um, but it played out really well. And I, I think it was exciting and it, and it was very competitive. Um, you know, hey, that could change based on the, the quality of, you know, the overall division through the years here. But, you know, if, if you were to put my feet to the fire and say vote yay or nay, I'd give that a thumbs up. I thought it was really good. Well, we're getting it for at least one more year, I would I would predict. But, uh, yep. yeah, and hopefully beyond that, just to have some kind of consistency. But, yeah, it was definitely uh, – I know there were some coaches at the end of the year that were a little frustrated just not knowing what, you know, their playoff matchup was going to look like. Um, Which is totally fair. Yeah, yeah, but I yep. mean – then again, you know, it's that's just the way it goes. <laughs> you yep. know, you don't you're not going to know everything. Um, but I yeah, I, I was uh, I, I, too, was pleasantly surprised by it uh, in the long run. Yeah, I, I, I do think it worked out nicely. You know, I think I'm actually really looking forward to seeing whether it, it's a it, it's a two year in a row trend in terms of thinking that it's a good thing um, next season. Yeah. I don't know. Any, any other thoughts uh, on this year or, or the future or, or what's uh, what, what's on, on your mind right now? Or, or are we, we ready to wrap up? I think we're good. I mean, I, I think the only thing I would say, and I say this kind of every week when you ask me the question is, you know, I had a lot of fun, right? I had a lot of fun doing this podcast, but I had a lot of fun this season, you know, especially coming out of the, the pandemic restrictions for fans and things like that. I hadn't been able to get to as many games in the last couple years personally. And this year I was, I was much more able to, to get around the state and see different teams play. Um, I love the fact that you can see a lot of these games now in various methods on YouTube or whatever. And uh, 
you know, quite honestly, Joe, I, I feel a little reinvigorated in my love for high school football. Not right. that it went away, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but, but, you know, it, it, it was a little dormant with some of the things that were going on that were out of our control. And I, I feel reinvigorated by this season. It was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed every game that I went to. I enjoyed doing this podcast. I, I, I hope that the coaches and players felt the same way about it because I think it was a great year. Yeah, I, I can understand what you're saying, too, about, you know, because sometimes I, I get like that in the off season. You know, it's like, ah, football season's coming up. I know I like it, but, you know, it's 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 one of many sports. And then it, it gets here, and it's, uh, yeah, it, it's I remember why I like it um, yeah. as much as I do. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, definitely, yeah, I... definitely had a great time doing this. Um, you know, really, uh, and I, and I like, you know, we, we did make a couple tweaks, I think to things this year, um, that I think worked out and, um, you know, I have, we, we both have had some ideas, um, for stuff for next year to try to take it another step. Um, hopefully we can, we can implement some of that, um, you know, and just kind of keep growing this thing because, uh, yeah. I, I, it's, it's a lot of fun and I think it's, um, I think, I think people enjoy it. If if they don't enjoy it, they haven't told me that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, if you don't enjoy it, send an email to oh, Coach right. Lockman. <laughs> See, that would have been a good way to end it. <laughs> uh, you just did, so now I don't. No, I don't have to. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, I think uh, I think that will wrap us up for the 2022 season. Um, All right, it's and, been a pleasure, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, and I'll, I'll be yeah we'll be in touch about uh, about possibly a, a special off season one at some point, um, but we'll uh, I'll announce more of that as we figure it out. Uh, he is Mike Lockman. I am Joe Marcellina. Everybody, thank you so much for listening this year. Uh, thanks to our sponsor Roger Howe uh, for for another great season. Um, everybody have a safe and happy holidays, and we'll talk to you in 2023. Thanks everyone. <laughs>